Today I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk to you about don't throw away your jawbone. Don't throw away your jawbone. I believe it's important that you and I keep our priorities right. Can I tell you sometimes my priorities want to get out of balance a little bit. Now I don't know about you, but I'm just being a little bit transparent today. And sometimes I need Brother Melvin to have a, an, an attitude adjustment that God helps me get my priorities back where they need to be. Um, I heard about a, about a wealthy man that was driving to his work and on his way he was involved in a pretty serious car accident. He had a, a BMW and it had torn it up pretty bad. A policeman had pulled him out of his car and he was on the side of the road waiting for an ambulance and the only thing he could say as he was entering in and out of consciousness was oh my BMW my BMW and the cop was telling him you know listen you can get another car uh, you are you're hurt pretty severe you just need to lay here and just settle down he said my BMW my BMW and finally the officer said listen he said you don't you don't understand he said this accident has tore off your arm right below the elbow and the man looked at him and he said oh my Rolex oh my Rolex <laughs> you know the truth is sometimes we don't have our priorities right. And so I want us to take a few minutes and I want us to talk about don't throw away your jawbone. We're going to be reading in Judges 15. And I'm going to ask my son if he would, if he will bring me a water because I know my radiator is going to run dry and I forgot to do that. We're going to read in Judges 15. We're going to begin at verse 14 and we're going to go up through verse 20. It says, and when, they, when he came to Leah, uh, Leah, the Philistines came shouting against him. And then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. Thank you. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he reached out his hand and he took it and he killed a thousand men with it. And then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was that when he had finished speaking, that, they, uh, uh, that he threw the jawbone from his hand and he called the place Remoth, Leah, which means the jawbone heal. And then he become thirsty, very thirsty. And he cried out to the Lord and he said, Have you given me this great deliverance by the hand of your servant? And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split the hollow place, that is in Leah, and water uh, came out and he drank. And his spirit returned and he revived. And therefore he called the place El Hakor, which is in Leah to this day, which literally means caller's spring. And he judged Israel 20 years. 
in the days of the Philistines. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. God, I ask you today, Lord, that in the next few moments, God, that I would speak as a dying man unto dying men. Lord, that you would anoint the ear of the listener. God, that we would hear and we would draw from your message that, Lord, that you would have us to hear. God, I pray, Lord, allow me, God, as your servant, to speak though only the words, God, that you would have me to speak. God, I thank you in advance for the work that you're doing in the house. God, I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. In your wonderful name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Look over at your neighbor and say, God's got a word for you today. I want us to take a few minutes and I want us to talk about Samson today. Now Samson is an ordinary man. He's just like you and me, flesh and blood. He's ordinary. But I want us to understand that many times God uses the ordinary in extraordinary ways. The thing that made Samson not be ordinary was a phrase that was used all through the book of Judges concerning Samson because it would say, and then the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. The thing that made him different was the Spirit of the Lord. It was that anointing today that made a difference. Today, I want us to talk about the anointing, about how God wants you to be anointed and me to be anointed that God wants to use us, that God has sanctified us. We don't talk about that word very much anymore, do we? About being sanctified. But that literally means that whenever I've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, how many knows it's not my righteousness, that my righteousness is filth and rags unto the Lord, but it is a work that he does in me. And then that sanctification says he sets me apart to do a service, a work for him. And so today I want us to talk about that anointing that God wants to do. I believe that there are four or five powerful truths that you and I can learn from these scriptures today. First of all, I want us to understand that there is a price for the anointing. That the anointing does not come cheap. Can I tell you, a lot of people are interested in cheap grace, cheap salvation, and cheap anointing. They're just interested in living however they want to live and doing whatever they want to do and acting however they want to act. And they just want to just do all of this right here and they just want God just to, to, to pour it out upon them. But now can I tell you today that when I got saved, I'm not talking about an emotional experience. I'm Pentecostal and I'm thankful for the emotional experience. But I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking about when Jesus Christ saved me. I want you to understand I become a new man. Look over at your neighbor and say a new man. I said I become a new man. 
And the Bible says that old things has passed away. And behold, all things become new. I said, when I got saved, I want you to know I didn't walk the same. I said, when I got saved, I didn't talk the same. I said, when I got saved, that I didn't act the same because Jesus Christ did a work within me. Now, I don't want to get into self-righteousness here. Honey, I've fallen more times than I want to talk about. But aren't you glad today for the hand of God that will pick us up, that will wipe us off and place our feet back on that solid rock? But when we get saved, we're going to act different. You can come down to this altar and you can shed the biggest crocodile tears that you can shed. But honey, if there's not a change that happens to you, then all you've had is an emotional experience. I'm talking about something that changes me from the inside out. Can I tell you, religion, they want you to change from the outside in. They want, you to th- they want to tell you if you just don't cut your hair or if you just don't wear the right stuff or if you just don't act this way. This, that, but can I tell you today that when something happens on the inside of me, it can't help but come out. Well, praise God. Let me tell you something today. If you take a sponge... And I start pouring this water. Ooh, that's good. And I start pouring this water into that sponge. And I soak that thing. If I push on it, Coke is not going to come out. Water's going to come out. Because that's what I put in. When Jesus Christ saved me, he cleansed me. He took that black stuff from the world and he made it white as snow with his red blood I don't know how he does everything he does I just know that he does it and can I tell you that whenever you push on it can I tell you there's people that's going to want to push on it they're going to want to see what you're made out of they're going to want to see who you are don't you dare think people aren't looking People are watching you every single day. They're not going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they're going to read Brother Melvin. They're going to read Brother John. They're going to read each one of us today. I want us to understand that we're the only Bible some people are going to read. That's the reason why I need to be sure that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I said filled to overflowing. That's what I need to be. We're talking about the anointing. I need to get back on my notes. Let's keep going just a little bit further. If we don't watch it, I'm going to have to take the watch uh, the uh, clock down and put up a calendar. So we've got we've got to keep going here. We're talking about the price of the anointing. I want us to understand that from that olive tree, they would get those olives. And in order to get anointing oil, they would have to take those olives and they would have to literally break that olive into a thousand different pieces in order to get that oil out. 
Can I tell you that if you and I are going to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit of the Lord, we're going to have to allow God to break us, to break whatever's in my life that is not pleasing to Him that he's going to break whatever it is that I've got in here that is not what the way he wants it to be so that I can have that anointing to flow. People don't understand the price that we have to pay for the anointing. Hey, I remember this in the scripture. I believe that it was uh, 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 the sons of thunder, uh, uh, James and John. Do you remember mama coming to Jesus? Can I tell you, sometimes mamas just need to stay out of the way. Well, I, b- I better not stay on that, Brother Mike. But anyway, but mom, mama done come to Jesus and said, Listen, I think you need some help with the seating arrangements. I think that you need to, whenever you get ready to set up your table, that I think that James would look good on your left-hand side. And I think that John would look good on your right-hand side. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, do you know what it is that you're asking? Can I tell you today what Jesus was saying to her is there's a price that has to be paid. He was saying, he looked over and said, are you going to be able to drink from this cup that he said to James and to John? And they said, yes, they were. And Jesus said, yes, you will. Can I tell you that James, that James was the very first disciple that died for the gospel. Truly, he drunk from that cup. Can I tell you that John was the only disciple that did not taste death by martyrdom. But God said, I've got a holiday in for you on the island of Patmos and I've got a, re- a writing assignment that you need to do. And so he sent him over there and that's where he died. Can I tell you that there is a price for the anointing? Well, praise the Lord. Oh, let's go just a little bit further. Now, John, he did not die as a martyr. But if you read what historians wrote about him, they tried to kill him twice. They poisoned him with a lethal poison that had killed many of that day. And it didn't bother him a single bit. So they decided, we're going to have a special meal and John you're going to be the special meal and they boiled him in oil (laughs) they boiled him till his skin looked good it didn't faze him one single bit can I tell you what John Wesley said no it's Charles Wesley excuse me Charles Wesley said he said I am immortal until God gets through with me Can I tell you the devil can huff and puff and do all the blowing he wants. But as long as God says, I've got a book for you to write. I've got somebody for you to minister to. I've got a calling upon your life. I've got something that I want you to do. Can I tell you there ain't enough devils in hell to take you out. You're in the hands of Almighty God. 
Well, praise the Lord. We're talking today about the anointing. I want us to understand that not only is there a price for the anointing, but I want us also to understand that the anointing will change my situation. Now, look at what verse 14 says there in the reading that we did. It says that when the Spirit of the Lord come mightily upon him, them ropes that had him bound, that they become like flax and is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose uh, from his hands. I want us to understand that whenever the anointing hits, that that has me bound will have me bound no more. Can I tell you that there is liberty in that anointing? That God does that work. Here's what he says in Isaiah 10, 27. He says that it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulders and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I said the enemy says, I've got you in bondage. But God says, my anointing will break that bondage. The devil says, I've got you bound. And God says, you ain't got a chain strong enough. He says, you don't have a rope big enough to be able to stop me from loosening my children as the anointing of the Lord would come upon. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Well, praise God. I said the anointing changes my situation. I've seen the anointing happen in so many different ways. As I was putting this together, I was thinking about just the different ways that I've seen the anointing. I think one of the weirdest ways that I've ever seen the anointing is in the middle of an offering. Now listen to me. How many knows that the offerings typically are not shouting time? Now people may be worshiping quietly and rejoicing in the Lord. But I don't think I've ever seen anybody get up and run around the church during that. I've seen them do that during the altar service. I've seen them do that during the preaching. But that's not normally what they do during the offering. I remember, it's been quite a few years ago, but I remember the preacher was taking the offering. And I'm not talking about that there was a move of God. I'm just talking about he was saying, you know, that uh, I'm gonna, we're going to pray that God would bless the offering. And all of a sudden, two people from the back stood up and came up to the altars and gave their heart to the Lord. I'm talking about nobody was trying to get them. There wasn't anything. Uh, it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you God can do more in two seconds than you and I can do in the lifetime if we will just allow God to do what God wants to do? Well, praise be to God. God's good to us today. I said the anointing will change the situations that you and I find ourselves in. He loosened those bonds. Can I tell you also that the anointing will change our vision? I said it will change the way I look at things. The anointing changes man's vision. Now look at what it says there in verse 15 of our text. Verse 15. I think I've got it, got a slide for it. Look at what it says there. 
it says, and he found a fresh jawbone. Some of the versions says that he found a, a new jawbone. The anointing changes what I look at and what I see. He may have seen that jawbone, but he didn't see that jawbone as being anything that would help him. He had a thousand people coming after him. But all of a sudden, as the anointing of God, the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, all of a sudden he looked at something that was small and something that was insignificant, something that seemed like it didn't matter whatsoever. And God used that thing. And the Bible says that he slayed a thousand Philistines with that jawbone of a donkey. I want us to understand that little is much when God is in it. Oh, Brother Smithy, you don't understand. I can't sing like these others can sing. I can't teach like these others can teach. I don't have the education that they... Can I tell you today that what God is looking for is he's looking for somebody that will simply say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. I don't have to preach like T.D. Jakes. I want you to understand I don't have to have the wisdom of Charles Stanley. The only thing I have to do is to be a vessel that I will allow God to flow through me to a lost and a dying world. Today, you can make a difference. Well, praise be to God. A thousand people died because of that little jawbone. Now, sometimes God uses a, a jawbone. Sometimes God uses a slingshot. Sometimes he takes a little boy's Happy Meal. I said, little is much when God is in it. He's just looking for somebody that will listen to his voice and that will use whatever God is telling them to use. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. I said this is not a natural fight. This is a spiritual fight. And I can't use natural means in order to accomplish it. I can work as hard as I want to work. I can do as much as I want to do. But I do not have the ability to change this. I need God in the middle of it. But can I tell you that God will take you and me and he will bring victory about if we will just allow him to. Well, praise be to God. Hallelujah. The anointing changes your and my ability. It says that he killed a thousand men. Now, I want us to think about it for a minute. Now, if that would have been us, if that would have been us, I might have been looking for a... 
a submachine gun. That would have been a good thing. I might have been looking for some little hand grenades. How do you think he killed them thousand men? Let me tell you how. One at a time. I said one at a time. You and I have got some battles that we have to fight. How are we going to get victory? One at a time. You and I have got the devil coming after us. Now that's what the word says is going to happen to us. The enemy is going to do everything he can. The thief cometh but to kill, steal, and to destroy. Aren't you glad that he's came that we might have life and have it more abundantly? I want you to know that those sleuthfoot, the, 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 the father of all lies, he's going to come after you in many different ways. But you and I, one at a time, we have to fight that battle under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and allow God to do a work in us and through us and through it we will get the victory but them thousand Philistines will die one at a time. We just have to keep fighting. Well, praise be to God. Here's what he said in Philippians 4, uh, Philippians 3. He says this, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself as to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, I want us to understand, I can't live in yesterday. How many has had victories from yesterday? I, t- I-, I love reading uh, uh, Brother Khan's book, Like a Mighty Army. I don't know if you've ever read Like a Mighty Army, but if you haven't, you need to. It's the birth of the church of God. And man, I mean, God did some fabulous miracles. I can't, I can't even, I can't even, well, yes, I can. Let, let, let me deal with one real quick. Uh, having a camp meeting, uh, a, a tent meeting, uh, the old brush harbors. How many remember anything like that? That's before everybody, back, back where I'm from, I, I, they did that a little bit right there as I was uh, starting out. But the old brush harbors, and they were having, I don't remember if it was a brush harbor or a tent meeting, and they had one, one of the girls uh, that got filled with the Holy Ghost. How many believe God still fills people with the Holy Ghost? Is it okay if we say that we are tongue talkers here at Curtis Road Church of God? That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. And so anyway, they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, uh, she got filled with the Holy Ghost, and she just continued to speak in tongues. Just continued to speak in tongues. And uh, uh, mom and dad was getting ready to go. And she was still just up at the altar just speaking in tongues. And so the preacher said, I don't know. said, I-, I guess if you want to, just load her up on your wagon and carry her home. And so they loaded her up and carried her home and all the way home. She's just speaking in tongues. And so she just kept on speaking in tongues. And they got her home and they got her in bed and she's still speaking in tongues. Can I tell you, sometimes people get filled overflowing. And so she's just speaking in tongues. The next morning, mom and dad was concerned about her because she still, she had laid there during the night just speaking in tongues. And they asked her if she was okay and she's speaking in tongues and they give her something to write with and they tell me that she started writing in tongues. Can I tell you that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, I said God can do something on the inside of you. Did you know that the same God that worked the miracles back then, he still works miracles? He's still a miracle-working God. Well, let's go ahead and go just a little bit further. I realize that my time is starting to run out. 
But we're going to keep going for just a little bit longer. I want us to understand that the anointing changes my ability. But I have to be careful. Now listen to me. Not to throw away what brought me the victory. Verse 17 says something where he says, and he cast the jawbone out of his hand. Can I tell you that within Pentecost today, I see a move to try to become more pleasing within our culture and so we don't want demonstrative acts to happen around our altar so we will say if you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost go to the room back in the back and they will pray with you but can I tell you I need to be careful not to throw away the very thing that brought me the victory I said, can I tell you that it's time that the Pentecostal church stands up? And they're not condemning others. But what they're saying is, is we are Pentecostal. Can I tell you when people come into our church, they expect to see people hanging from the chandeliers. And sometimes they leave and they say, you know, your church was just like our church. And what they're saying is, all right, I'm not preaching, I'm meddling. What they're saying is, is your church is dead just like mine. God help us. Let's come into church to worship him, to magnify him. Let's come with a purpose to exalt the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to allow him to have his way in our midst. Is that okay? Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I've got... One more point. One more point. And that is, I need to be careful about pride. I said, I need to be careful about pride. I want you to look at what verse 16 says of our text. It says, and then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. When you start seeing yourself use the word I a lot, know that you're getting yourself in a dangerous place. I have slain. A thousand men. I have to be careful with this thing called pride. You see, you have to understand the devil wants me out of the will of the Lord. Now he'll try to push me down. But if that doesn't work, he'll try to push me up. He just wants me out of the will of the Lord. I have to make a decision. Kind of like the, the army man that had just been made a colonel. He was proud. Man, he had all of this stuff on his chest. And man, he was just, he was all that in a bag of chips. I don't know if they say that anymore, but anyway, I did. 
man, he, was, he had pride going on. And young man knocked on his door and said, this is Private Johnson. Can I come in, sir? He said, wait just a minute. And he thought, man, I'm a full colonel now. He said, picked up the phone. Yes, sir, Mr. President, said we'll be doing everything that we can to take care of this situation. Thank you for calling. We're going we're gonna to do that. Hold, hold on just a second, Mr. President. Uh, yes, Private, come on in. Mr. President, thank you for calling me. We'll be glad to take care of this. I'll get back a hold of you as soon as the mission is accomplished. And he puts down the telephone and he says to the private, says, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I, I just come to fix your phone. <laughs> Uh, can I tell you that God has a way of keeping me humble before him? What did he say? He said, I've killed a thousand men. And then just go down another verse or two. And what do we find? We find in verse 18 where Samson is saying that he is very thirsty. Now if you go up to verse 1 in that chapter, it'll tell you that that was during the threshing time of wheat, which meant it was hot and it was dry. And I don't know how long it takes to kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, but he was tired and he was thirsty. And he said he was very thirsty. And then he prays a prayer. 27 words. Go back up a couple of verses and he's saying, look what I done. Listen to him now. He says, Lord, you have given me great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now may I die of thirst and fall at the hands of the uncircumcised. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you something. God wants to use every single one of us. But by that same token, he wants us to remember this is his work and not ours. You and I have no ability to do anything of eternal significance without the hand of the Lord reaching down and touching us. I don't know about you today, but I need the hand of the Lord in my life so that I can make a difference in the life of my family and my friends and my community. Wherever it is that God wants me, that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you today. Don't throw away your jawbone. We are dependent upon the anointing of the Lord. What made Samson different from everybody else of his day? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That is your difference, and that is mine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you today for every person that's under the sound of my voice. God, I thank you today because, God, we understand that this work, God, that this work, that souls are being weighed in the balance, that this work, God, that those that are oppressed and sick God, for those, Lord, that are, are distressed 
and having all sorts of things come against them, those, Lord, that are looking at suicide and all the different things. God, those people, God, they need you. And Lord, you use us, your church, to be your hands and to be your feet. But God, today, in order for us to be effective in kingdom work, we have to have your anointing. For Lord, it's that anointing that breaks that yoke, that sets us free, that will set those that are bound free. I pray right now, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice. God, that you would touch and that you would minister. God, that you would move on their behalf. And Lord, I just thank you today. I thank you, Lord, for for your love towards us. Lord, I just give you the praise for everything, God, Lord, that you're doing in our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, got a quick question for you, very simple. Do you desire for a greater anointing to rest in your life? Do you desire for God to use you, to anoint you greater than ever before? Now, before you lift your hand, understand what we talked about today. There's a price for that anointing. Are you willing to pay that price for that anointing? If you're here today and you want that anointing greater than ever before, I want you just to lift your hand and put it back down. Yes, God sees these hands. Guys, God wants to use you today. He wants to use you in ways that you can't begin to comprehend. To touch a thousand. to be able to speak life into those that are dead as you present the bread of life. The anointing that makes a difference. God, I thank you for every hand that was lifted. Now, Lord, what this requires out of me, God, is it requires me to come to a garden experience. For, Lord, it's in the garden. God, that I come to a place that I say that, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done in my life. God, that may mean I don't get what I want to get. That it don't happen the way that I want it to happen. It may mean, God, that I walk a trail that I don't want to walk. But, God, it doesn't make me any difference if you take me to the palace or you take me to the pit. God, I just want to be used of you. Let that anointing flow in my life. God, I pray, Lord, for every hand that was lifted, for every life, God, that is here under the sound of my voice. God, there's a lot of different needs that are here. Lord, there are physical needs and spiritual needs, financial needs, relational needs, emotional needs. But Lord, with all of the needs that are represented, there's only one answer. And today, Lord, we look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
And God, we cry out to you. And we bring these needs today, God. And we place them, Lord, at the foot of the cross. I pray, God, Lord, that you would touch and that you would minister to each one, God, that is here. Lord, I thank you today. God, I give you the praise and I give you the glory. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. And amen.